good day, and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad that you've joined us. Most first-term members of Congress don't experience the kinds of ups and downs that Peter Meyer has experienced in his first 10 months in office. Meyer had barely started his term before he had to take possibly one of the most consequential votes of any congressperson's career. He had to decide whether to vote to impeach President Donald Trump for his role in the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. Meyer was just one of 10 Republicans who wound up voting in favor of impeachment. Fellow West Michigan Congressman Fred Upton was also among those 10. More recently, Meyer has been working on the policy side of things. He's a sponsor of new legislation that would overhaul the government's war powers and arms sales laws, returning most of that power to Congress. The bipartisan group of sponsors in the House and Senate says the executive branch has had too much power for too long to wage war overseas without authorization, authorization from Congress. Meyer is going to join us in just a second to talk about that legislation, to talk about his first year on Capitol Hill and more. We're still waiting for the congressman's call. But meanwhile, I want to talk just a little about this moment in the Republican Party, this moment in Congress, this moment in policymaking. I think it's fair to say that most of us haven't seen anything quite like this before. You have a former president very, very powerful, very, very popular with a particular wing of the Republican Party who's making it really difficult for mainstream old line members of the party, people who don't necessarily subscribe to the more extreme politics of Donald Trump, to just do their jobs. Imagine arriving in Congress in January and watching as uh, a mob of citizens attack the Capitol to try to undo the results of the election that just sent you to Congress. What, what would you make of what was happening? And what would you make of your membership in the party that most of those mobsters would claim? That's the situation that Peter Meyer faced when he went to Washington in January. It's the situation that lots of Republicans find themselves facing as they try to do their jobs, as they try to keep the party together, as they try to keep governance intact in Washington and in other places. Once Congressman Meyer joins us, I'm gonna talk with him about what that experience was like, but we also wanna hear from you, the listeners about what you make of what's going on inside the Republican Party. Do you think that people like Peter Meyer are symbols of the future for the GOP? He's a really conservative guy. He's an economic conservative, for sure. He's somebody who subscribes to 90%, so far as I can tell, of the Republican platform, but he doesn't go along with the things that Donald Trump has done. And he thinks that there's an extremism represented in Donald Trump's politics that he can't go along with. Does that mean that there is a schism in the Republican Party that could tear it apart? Could people like Pete Meyer 
Fred Upton, other moderate Republicans, so to speak, decide that they can't be part of the Republican Party anymore? Could the Donald Trump wing of the Republican Party decide that maybe they aren't really Republicans and that they really need to be able to have their own space to pursue their political aims? A few weeks ago up on Mackinac Island, I had a really interesting conversation with a former Republican office holder here in Michigan. And I was asking this person about next year's gubernatorial election here in Michigan. Why haven't more of the people that we used to know as Republicans, including this person I was talking to, emerged as possible candidates for governor? We've got one person who has said for sure he wants to challenge Governor Gretchen Whitmer as a Republican next year, and that's former Detroit Police Chief Jim Craig. But what about all the other Republicans who've held office in this state for such a long time? Where are they? Why aren't their names emerging and jumping to the top of that list? This office holder told me that there is a, something of a war going on inside the party. There is something of a deep schism represented between Donald Trump Republicans and more moderate Republicans. And his theory was that this would go on for some time and perhaps even cause significant losses to the Republican Party. In other words, that they wouldn't be able to win elections that they are supposed to win because of this difference, because of this divide. He thought that it would take those losses, maybe over a significant period of time, to teach the party again that it needs to reach out. It needs to pull people in. It needs to appeal to voters across a pretty broad spectrum, not to Democrats necessarily, but certainly to independents who increasingly make a lot of the decisions because of their swing value vote in our democracy. When Representative Meyer joins us, we're going to talk about all of those things. We'll also talk a lot about the policy issues that he's been working on uh, lately in Congress. This is a guy who is pretty thoughtful about a number of things and has a lot of ideas in mind as he goes to Washington. But again, while we're still waiting for the congressman's call, uh, go ahead and call and uh, talk with us about the GOP. What is the GOP right now? Is it appealing to you? Are you worried about the ways that Donald Trump has changed Republicanism in this country and even in this state? Or are you somebody who thinks Donald Trump is the future of the Republican Party and that the way he has approached things is the way forward, is the way to get back to the White House, perhaps, or back to the governor's mansion in Lansing? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. <clears throat> you can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. And again, we are just waiting on uh, Congressman Meyer to, uh, to join the program here. I'm sure he's caught up 
with some official business that uh, <laughs> that maybe has not yet uh, concluded. But as soon as he calls in, we will rope him into the conversation as well. Let's go to Robert in Detroit. Robert, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey. Go ahead, Robert. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to say that um, it's a very difficult situation because a lot of Catholic people that I know, they say that Donald Trump is persecuted just like Jesus. And so there's a, there's a, a convergence of ideology with religious fervor for his supporters. And um, I, I see the, the Republicans that, that try to stand up for what's right, they're facing that. And it's just something that um, I've never seen in my lifetime, and I don't know how you, you get past that and, and how you can have any kind of, you know, moderate or reasonable kind of response to any of this. And, and I wish those who, who try to take that approach luck, but, but I, unless maybe religious leaders stand up and say that um, this is not the case, it, it's not going to change. So, so, Robert, I'm really curious, and, and I think your, your call and the things that you're saying point up one of the really sore spots for this kind of dialogue, and that's inside families, right? That, that people who uh, used to be able to talk about politics with their family members or at least discuss differences now find themselves at absolute odds and find it impossible to have those conversations. So I, I wonder if you can give me a sense of how that works for you. How, how, is that, how is that working in your family? Are you able to have a conversation with, uh, with people who, who support Donald Trump? And are you able to, to, to come to some agreement about disagreement even about uh, what's going on? It's a very complicated issue, and um, I think you really should do a whole show on the people that are getting prophecies and stuff. They're getting political newsletters where the politics and the religion are just intermingled. They talk about end of times, and there's almost like a cult-like um, appeal going on. Hmm. And I think families really should do just the opposite. You're, you're, you're thinking, I just don't want to be around these people, but, but what you really need to do is just the opposite. Embrace them, love them, and show them that even though they're being told that you are a demon and that you are supporting communism and all these other things, um, it's not Democrats against Republicans. This show is about Republicans against Republicans. And, mm -hmm. and so it, it is just you're with us or you're against us. And it's, it's, it's something that you see that really needs to be addressed. There, there are um, all kinds of things being spread online, and it's been going on for years. And these prophecies, they never come true. But, but they keep talking again and again, postponing uh, end of times and all this stuff. And, and I don't understand when somebody is caught on tape saying that he's going to grab women by their private parts, that this is the savior that's going to save the world. And, you know, the, the whole January 6th thing, it's just, you know, uh, how do you make sense of that? There, sure. there is, um, and there are organizations that fund this, and, and you don't even know who you're giving your money to. These people that support this cause, hmm. they're supporting white supremacists. They're supporting government takeovers in Michigan and United, in the, you know, Washington, D.C., and, and it's, it's really, we need to talk about it for what it is. It, it's yeah. a mental health condition, and it, it's an emotional thing, 
and compound that with um, dealing with a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic and people out of jobs and, you know, all of everything is political. Science means nothing. And yet we're flying planes, we're using the Internet, we're we're using all of these things to, you know, for bad purposes, instead of making the world a better place, we're we're making it worse. I really appreciate uh, I really appreciate the call and your comments and and I wish you luck, frankly, with what you're working on. I think it is the work that is ahead for for many of us, which is figuring out a way to incorporate the people who uh, have uh, subscribed to these politics and and the violence really uh, that goes along with it in back into the the fold of reasonable debate and discussion and 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 governance uh, robert i really appreciate uh, the call and the comments okay we do have representative peter meyer with us now i uh, peter uh, welcome to detroit today thank you for having me on yeah it's great to have you uh, here i've heard a lot about you i know you and i have never uh, met but you're from a part of the state that i uh, have real connection with and uh, and some great affinity for. And so I'm excited to, to talk with you about uh, your representation there. I want to start with, uh, of course, your vote to impeach former President Trump after the January 6th insurrection. Uh, first of all, I wonder if the level of vitriol from fellow Republicans and Trump supporters changed or died down at all for you in the last 10 months. And what kind of I guess, uh, environment are you existing in now uh, with with fellow Republicans? What what is that been like? I would say in general, it's a, a very uncertain moment for my party. And I think a lot of folks are trying to, in that uncertainty, um, figure out what the path forward looks like. And that, that applies as much for, you know, a, a, a somebody in the grassroots as it does for somebody who might be in elected office. Um, you know, I think it's it, it all depends, you know, how the centrality of, of how you view the November 3rd elections and what circles you are in uh, matter greatly. I heard you talking with your former guest and, and there are a lot of folks who, you know, are kind of part of this um, this, this this culture, you know, where it, it is the most important thing is. is diving deep. I mean, it's become its own, you know, tribe of, of, of folks. And uh, obviously to those individuals, I mean, I, uh, they have a very different perception of me than for um, most of my constituents I interact with, where we're talking about the issues of the day, talking about uh, where we're going, talking about what we need to do. Hmm. And as a Republican, give me an assessment of how you feel saying that you're a member of the party. Uh, do you feel like you are part of the Republican Party, uh, or do you feel like you're being pushed out? I, I don't, I'm not sure if you were listening when I was uh, talking earlier about a conversation I had up on Mac in a few weeks with uh, with a former Republican office holder here in in the state who said that he felt he felt like he was not really a part of. Uh, the current Republican Party, and that uh, things needed to to shake out a lot more before he could feel differently. I wonder what that looks like for you as as a current office holder. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be honest. I put it very simply that um, you know I don't think 
it's up to any one individual or group of individuals to make that definition. Uh, you know, and you know, it's obviously implicit in the insult of, Oh, you're a rhino, you're a Republican in name only, you know, implicit within that is that that person is, is judging who is and is not uh, a member of the Republican party. Uh, I founded my high school's teenage Republicans group back in uh, 2003. Um, I've been involved in Republican politics my whole life. Uh, I think it's wonderful that more folks have gotten engaged in the last, you know, four or five years. Um, but I also just don't think that any one individual or small group of individuals has that right to make that definition. Parties, you know, are large groups. They are collectives and they're also always evolving. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, um, I may be very optimistic this morning, but, you know, in, in my mind, it's, um, you know, folks like that only have the power that you're willing to give them. Hmm. So I do want to switch to talking about some policy things that you are working on. And I mentioned in the open uh, this legislation that would overhaul the government's war powers and arms sales laws. Uh, it's interesting to me that you're championing this legislation alongside the likes of Bernie Sanders, kind of going back to what we were just talking about, who's who's in what party and how do parties work together. Uh, talk about this legislation and why you think the executive branch has too much power over war powers and arms sales. Yeah, and, and Bernie Sanders uh, was the Democratic lead in the Senate. Mike Lee was the Republican lead. You know, <laughs> right. it just is certainly making for some strange bad fellows. And even uh, Chip Roy, who's no one's version of a, a liberal, uh, came out <laughs> in, in pretty strong support. Um, no, I think if, if I were to diagnose one of the fundamental problems with the way our government interacts with the people is that we are far too centralized, it's far too distant, uh, and it's far too unaccountable, right? We do not have the degree of accountability that we really need. Now, when when we're, when Republicans are in the minority and when Democrats are on the House, Senate, and White House, um, it's going to be pretty hard for us to uh, have that force them to return power back down to the states. That's just a, a Democratic impulse is towards that centralization. But when it comes to shifting the balance of power from the executive, from the president uh, to Congress, that's something where we can make some real traction. And, and the Constitution under Article One gives Congress the power to declare war. I mean, that is within Congress's purview. But all too often, you know, Congress has punted on that. Um, they have kicked it over to the executive. They have, um, you know, done whatever they can to not take those hard votes. Uh, and to me, that's incredibly unsatisfactory. Look at the past two decades of conflict in Afghanistan. Imagine how different it would be if every two years members of Congress had to vote affirmatively yes or no, whether or not to send troops into harm's way. Imagine the questions they would ask in oversight uh, in getting to the answer of whether to do that. Imagine the answers that the Department of Defense, that the State Department, that the National Security Council and our, our foreign affairs apparatus would have to articulate, you know, the, the strategies they would have to hone in order to convince members of Congress to continue to support um, their vision for that country, right? So that's that's one component. You know, it's, it's getting that war powers back, and then we also have constraints on arms export controls and constraints um, on emergency powers, because in all of these areas, uh, it's one thing to say the president should have the ability to act swiftly in the face of new threats or new events. 
Uh, it's another thing to have that just go on for years with little check and little accountability. Hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Congressman Peter Meyer. We'll also get to more of your phone and social media comments if you want to join the conversation. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter for comments there, and we'll try to work you into the conversation that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm talking with Congressman Peter Meyer, who is uh, from Grand Rapids and represents Michigan's third congressional district in Washington. We're talking about the first 10 months of his tenure as one of our representatives in Washington. It's been a pretty tumultuous time, started really with the January 6th insurrection, uh, has continued through the strife inside the Republican Party and between Republicans and Democrats over any number of issues. We want to hear uh, from you about um, we want to hear from you about uh, what you think is going on with uh, with the Republican Party and with Congress uh, in Washington. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Apparently, we have lost Congressman Meyer. Again, he did have to get back to congressional business, but uh, we'll get to the calls and then we will move on to our next conversation. Let's take Chuck in Franklin. Chuck, welcome to the show. Oh, good morning, uh, Stephen, and good morning to Representative uh, Meyer, my hero. Um, I, I don't. I, I would need to explain to Representative Meyer, I know I don't need to explain to you, Stephen, that um, I am as loyal a Republican as you've ever had in your listening audience. Um, and, <laughs> and we I, appreciate um, that, Chuck. <laughs> I, I, wish I, I, I would love to know who it was uh, that you were conversing with at Mackinac, but I don't need to know because whoever it was, I agree with her or him uh, 110%. Um, our, our party is, um, uh, is uh, as um, uh, Representative Meyer says, um, in... Uh, in a moment of crisis. Um, I am now, I've never in my life been a one-issue person. Um, I am now a one-issue voter. And my issue is, was the 2020 election stolen? Um, do you agree with Donald Trump that there were more votes than voters in Detroit? If a Republican candidate, and I don't care for what level of office, school board, uh, Congress, State House, State Senate, if they can't get that answer right, then I'm not voting for them. And uh, Representative Meyer, I know you don't have that luxury. You have to vote on everything, and um, you need to face every issue. Um, but, but, I, but I have that luxury as a voter. And if Republicans can't step away from this uh, stolen election nonsense, then they have no business being in office. And I wish I could vote for you, Representative Meyer. Um, I'm not in your district. Um, uh, who knows what district I'm going to be in in 2022. Yeah. But Godspeed to you. 
Um, I love your work. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, a U.S. Senator Meyer, um, Vice <laughs> President Meyer, President Meyer. Um, I, I just uh, thank you, Stephen, for getting him on the air. Yeah, no, I, I, I really appreciate you calling in, Chuck, and, and reflecting that appreciation because it, I think it is important for us to be able to, to hear from uh, the folks who are sort of at the nexus of all of this in Washington and in, in Michigan. And it's, it's interesting to me because I know you, Chuck, uh, to, to hear your enthusiasm for Representative Meyer and to know that, um, to know that there is this, this part of the party that really does want to step away from some of the, the most extremist elements of what we have uh, seen and heard from, from Trump and his, uh, and his support. So again, Chuck, I really appreciate the call and uh, the comments. Okay, we're going to go now to Wink in Southfield. Wink, welcome to the show. Thank you. I love Hi. your show. Thank you. And I'm so happy to hear you discussing the repeal of the AUMF. I've been working uh, on lobbying our representative, uh, mine is Barbara Lawrence, and our senators to, especially our senators, to sign on to this repeal because I think it's really, really important. I work with the Friends Committee on National Legislation Advocacy Teams, and this has been our focus for at least two years. And uh, that's an interesting that's an interesting data point for me, Wink. I guess I didn't realize there were people or a lot of people really interested in in changing this. Uh, tell me from your perspective what it means to change the lines of authority to to give Congress more say over arms sales and and war powers than than the president has. Why why is that meaningful to you? Well. That is their job. It's uh, fundamentally their job, and it's been taken away since beginning with 9-11 that the president should be able to bring us into war, and every president has since then. And it's so destructive, obviously, it's war. It hasn't really solved our problems. Okay, Wink, I really appreciate the call and the perspective. Thanks again for listening to Detroit Today. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to change the subject here. We are going to talk about the labor shortage that businesses are experiencing. We're going to hear from a group that's helping retiring business owners sell their companies to their own workers, and what that cooperative business model can teach us about valuing employees and creating a sense of investment for workers in their jobs. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. 